How many of you think that God wants to do some marvelous things around? Ain't no telling what God's going to do before we leave this house tonight. We want Brother Mullins to come. We want him to take his liberty and preach the word of God. Let's just lift our hands and worship God as he comes. Can we do that right now? persuasion uh, if I'm supposed to preach it doesn't mean I have to because uh, I'm I just believe that if the Lord would want to interrupt things uh, I'm perfectly willing to let him and after the Lord does his work anything that I would do would be an insult to him and so I don't have to preach tonight and if I went by what I'm feeling I'd just close my Bible and uh, I'd just go to praying for people you know I do realize there's a there's a balance between spirit and word and you got to have both to be saved and I've been here long enough to realize that you've heard enough word to save Pueblo about 50 times over and I really believe you you like the preaching of the word but some of you are a little hesitant to let go and let the Spirit of God move on you. Now, now you got to understand, I might look quiet and sedate up there, but really what I'm trying to do is reserve myself to preach because I'm an old man. But when I was younger, I, I've swung from the rafters in church, literally. I have rolled on the floor. I've rolled up steps, I've rolled down steps, I've walked the back of the pews, and I'm going to tell you what I feel tonight. I feel that old familiar spirit crawling up my leg, and, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know if the pews are fastened down or not. But oh, I'm going to tell you what I feel. I feel like, Brother Elder, that God would want to take us just a little higher, a little deeper, and a little further down the road. We claim to be apostolic and used to call us holy rollers, but I wonder if we got enough evidence to convict us tonight. How many, how many, wait a second, wait a second. How many have never seen anybody roll on the floor? Oh my God, hang on brother. Oh, I was in a church service one night and the preacher said, I want all you men to run. And when you hit that corner over there, I want you to roll across the front of the church. 
Brother, he had a pair of Kiowa Indians in there. One of them was about 360 pounds, was his piano player. That big old Kiowa Indian hit that corner, man, it just looked like that big Oreo cookie that, that that guy saw rolling through that tent. I mean, just bumping on all sides. But across that floor he went. And there was a big old long, tall streak of misery standing right over here. He's a, he was a commercial pilot. And he just stood there and he was going like this. And he got mad and he left. About three services later, he came back. Right now, song service going on, and he stepped, big as life. He never said, ah, yes, no, thank you, Jesus, kiss my foot or nothing. He just took to running around that church, and when he hit that over there, he rolled. He come around and hit that, and he rolled. Now, I didn't have nothing to do with telling people to roll. I was standing over yonder, and after about five laps, he come over, threw his arms around me, brother, and give me the biggest old smooch on the side of the face, and I went, oh my God. And he apologized all over the place for getting mad at me, and I never had nothing to do with it. He told later the reason he didn't roll was because he had five back operations, and he was scared of hurting his back. But God told that big old long streak of water, if you roll, I'll take care of your back. Now there's a bunch of people been worshiping God around here, but what I wanna know is what's wrong with the rest of you? No, I, I think I'm going to preach, but I'm going to tell you, if between now and the time I go to preach, if the Lord so moves me, I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. And I I preached for Brother Bobby Davis, and boy, the Spirit was just about like here. Brother, I don't know what you was like when you was an evangelist, but I can't hardly take it. And... I told him, I said, I just feel like praying for everything in the house. Well, brother, kind of felt like those 10 spies, they looked like grasshoppers, but by the time the service was over, I found out there was about 230 people in that church. And when I started praying, I thought it would take 15 minutes, but it was about two and a half hours later. Friend, there was people in there that rolled and shouted and I mean cut the rug. They sweated, they cried, they rolled, they jumped, they ran. And you know what? I dare say if you let God move on you, ain't no telling. Ain't no telling what would happen. Preacher, I'm afraid to just let go. Oh, really? You don't have to worry. God's a gentleman. He's not going to embarrass anybody. He's not in the embarrassing business. I have seen people come up front for prayer, and uh, they done it for show. Remember this old lady? She was probably 80 years old, heavy woman. She was stronger than any two men I ever met. Hands on her about my size and half again. She's an old Ukrainian farmer's wife. She come up front to get prayed for. The preacher prayed for her. She just figured she'd just fall backwards and she misjudged and she conked herself on the pew with her head and knocked herself plumb out. Now I've been in a lot of church services in the last 25 years, but I ain't never seen anybody that got in the spirit that knocked themselves out. 
God don't have to knock you out and talk to you. I'll tell you what he wants tonight. He wants you to loosen up a little. Maybe you're so concerned about what you look like. You know that? It's been said that the angels cry, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, to honor and power and dominion and glory. They, they cry that night and day from the time they were created up until now. They just stand around crying, Holy, holy, holy. And it's been said that, that angels are ministering spirits. And I'll tell you what I think happens. I think when we begin to praise God and we begin to cry, holy, 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 I think it releases those angels to come and minister to us. It, it releases those angels for a moment to come to us to minister. Anybody want to cry, holy, holy, holy? Oh, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, we adore you, we worship you, we praise you, mighty God. Thou hast made all things. Oh, you spoke the worlds into existence by the word of your power. Oh, God, you spoke, Lord, and the whole North American continent pushed his way up out of the muddy deep, Lord. Oh, God in heaven, you're to be magnified. Praise God. You know, uh, another reason why I kind of take it somewhat easy here is because uh, I'm up a little higher in altitude than normal. And uh, you gotta have the constitution of a mountain goat to live up here, I guess. <laughs> I'm just a poor old flatlander. And right about now, my heart's going about 400 miles an hour. And uh, it ain't because I'm feeling the Holy Ghost, it's because I'm sucking for air. <laughs> But if I gotta take a heart attack, baby, ain't no better place to be and no better way to go. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I got to hurry. You've been standing. You're so kind. I wanna say it's been a privilege to be here, brother, sister, elder, and uh, Mitchell and Jeffrey Wayne. And oh, those boys are ever more boys. I looked closely yesterday at Brother Elder out of the side of my eyes and I noticed he was beginning to gray. And I looked, I looked back at his wife and she was catching more than 40 winks. And then I heard a little Mitchell and Jeffrey back here in the back and man, they were just having one more time. And I said, God bless him, Lord, with children in his old age. You know, I don't know, brother, how many of y'all plan on heaven, but I pray God gives you about another half a dozen more. <laughs> had a couple tell me they couldn't have kids anymore. Been eight years since they had the last one. Brother, I felt a spirit of prophecy come on me, and I told them, I said, next time I talk to you, you'll be telling me that you're pregnant. <laughs> She said, not me. I said, oh yeah. The next time I called her husband, she was pregnant. And that brings me to what I want to say. You know, every church, every church is somewhat a mother. And I believe that Revival is the baby that the church mother has. I preached in a place oh, a while back in a little hole in the wall place. 
think there was 1,200 people in the community. They were running about 500 in church. That's a pretty good tithe. But during that first time I was there, there was a young girl came in and she sat back yonder about where Brother Bud is sitting. And the Lord began to deal with that girl. I went back after service, uh, during the altar service, and talked to her. Found out her name was Wendy. And uh, she was very obviously feeling the Lord. And I said, Wendy, uh, are you afraid? And she said, yes, I'm, I'm afraid. I said, Wendy, you don't have to be afraid of the Lord. He, he won't hurt you. He's your friend. I said, Wendy, do you know how to pray? She said, well, I don't know. I said, there's these women right here. They'll, they'll pray with you. I said, Wendy, would you like to pray? And she got down and she prayed and she cried and she wept. Next night she came back. I found out the next day uh, that uh, Wendy was the, the town's lady of ill repute. She was about 22 years old and very well known. And uh, she sat with the preacher's daughter-in-law that night and she told the preacher's daughter-in-law when she came in, she said, uh, the preacher's daughter-in-law said, please come and sit with me. She said, oh no, 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 you don't want to sit with me. He said, I, I got a reputation you wouldn't want to rub off on you. She said, no, I want you to sit with me. To make a long story short, Wendy got baptized in Jesus' name a few nights later and uh, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost out back in the change room. And uh, score one for Jesus in that revival. A few nights later, there was a bald-headed man come in, long hair, what he had left, was long, and sit back way back here in the back. He didn't do much during service, Brother Elder, but I, I kind of felt like God was dealing with him. And there was a man that started to pray with him during altar service, and I went back, and I got down alongside of him, and I said, Friend, I don't know who you are. I've never seen you before in my life. But I said, I feel like God wants to help you today. I said, You've been abused in your life as a child. And I said, Your father treated you like dirt. But I said, You're in a place today where there's a heavenly father that wants to wrap you up in his big old arms and love you a whole lot. Again, to make a long story short, his name was Herbie. He was the town drunk. That night, Herbie got the Holy Ghost. We got the town prostitute and we got the town drunk. Now God ain't satisfied till he cleans up everything in sight. And so we went back again to preach in that place. And there was about, I think there was two hours. Yes, right over here, right where brother, brother, brother Bob was standing. Long-haired old hippie boy came in with his wife. He got to standing there. Boy, that preacher, boy, he got that song leader up there. And they couldn't get that thing off the ground no how. It was deader than a hammer. Him and his wife got up to sing, and they hadn't sung together in five years, and he never got it off the ground, not a lick. And he turned to me and he said, my God, brother, I don't know what's going on. I tried everything I know here. See if you can resurrect it. Well, I ain't the resurrection in the life, but I know who he is. And I said to the little girl playing the piano there, the keyboard, I said, Ruthie, Give me a few notes of that amazing grace. And before God, Brother Elder, they started singing amazing grace. And just now that guy throwed his hands up in the air, began to weep, began to cry, and God baptized that old boy with the Holy Ghost. I found out later he was the town drug pusher. Now, listen, I feel like God would like to do that right here. I've seen God save witches. I baptized the witch. I've seen him save motorcycle gang leaders. I baptized him. I prayed him through the Holy Ghost. 
I've seen them baptize prostitutes with the Holy Ghost. I've seen them baptize druggies with the Holy Ghost. I've seen God take the crack out of a 65-year-old black man. I've seen God baptize that 65-year-old black man so much with the Holy Ghost for the elder, he had to get a hold of his chin to keep it from wagging. Now, I don't know what kind of actions outside, drug-related, gang-related, it don't make any difference to God. I just feel like if you could get them to this house and let that preacher preach and let the Spirit of God work on them, I believe that mama gonna have a baby called revival. Now, now, what happened to these three people was mama had some children and she dropped them and they died. These babies were dropped at birth and they died. They were defenseless. They had little strength, no knowledge, were weak and very dependent on mama. I hope you're not of the attitude tonight that says, well, if they're going to make it, they'll make it on their own. No, 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 listen, listen. God wants to give mama a baby, but mama's going to have to look after the baby that God gives her. I wonder tonight, I wonder tonight how many more people would have come in as a result of those three if mama had been a little more careful when she held the baby instead of dropping it. I wonder if she'd have nurtured those children. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. I'm not even the seventh son of a seventh son, although I am Irish. But if I know anything about God, if I know anything about God, God wants to bless this church with revival. But when he does, it's not a question if, it's a question when. When he does give you an increase in souls, you better be ready to fight all of hell for those children that God gives you. Oh, God. With that, with that, I got to read a text. I'm going to try to hurry tonight because I know you've been standing. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And uh, believe it or not, I am not going to preach prophecy. Isn't that amazing? Prophecy is one subject I stay clear because I know little or nothing about it and neither do you. You just think you do. But it's in the book and uh, I'm going to try to preach tonight what God's laid on my heart and uh, I don't care what you believe on prophecy. Oh, so long as you believe you got to repent, you got to get baptized in Jesus' name, got to fill the Holy Ghost, live a holy life, love your brother. Oh, my God. I know when he's coming. I know when he's coming. You hear me? I know when Jesus is coming. He's coming right on time. Praise God. Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. There's a difference between sin and iniquity. The Bible said where sin did bound, grace did much more abound. But here it said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. In Romans 12 and 11, if you turn there, please, one short reading. Romans 12 and 11 says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. fervent in spirit. Moffat's translation says, not slothful in business, 
maintaining the glow, serving the Lord. And that's what I want to preach to you tonight about is maintaining the glow. Would you pray tonight in Jesus' name? Lord, we love you. God, tonight we ask, Lord, that your anointing, God, would rest upon us tonight, Lord. Open our understanding up. I pray, God, tonight you touch the heart of every visitor, every saint, Lord. I pray, God, tonight that we could do your will. Oh, God, reach tonight, Lord. My God, for every cold and lukewarm and indifferent and backslidden in heart, God, reach for every sinner tonight. God, strengthen the hand of your people and the man of God here in this place. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. I want to say two things before we begin. One is in regard to sin. Actually, both are in regard to sin. But Brother Elder made mention of uh, condemnation and conviction the other night. And I want to add uh, something to what he said. I want to tell you tonight, the frequency of temptation does not indicate a desire to sin. Let me say it again because you want to use it on the devil when he comes. The frequency of temptation does not indicate a desire to sin. But what it does indicate is this, that you are a child of God that the devil wants to destroy. If he already had you in his hip pocket, he wouldn't even mess with you. And so by virtue of the fact that he keeps tempting you, you know you must be doing something right. And number two, I'd like to tell you tonight that if you had to taste the bitterness of sin before you tasted its sweetness, you would never want to indulge yourself in it. And now to our text. He said, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I'm going to give you several definitions tonight before I start so that you'll understand what he's saying. Iniquity means lawlessness. It means anarchy. It means without law. It means wicked. So he said, and because lawlessness or anarchy or wickedness would abound, the love of many would wax cold. This word love uh, had to do with love feasts at the Lord's Supper where the wealthy would pay for everything uh, that went on and the poor and the wealthy would mingle together and everybody would love one another and there would be no big me's and little you's. Position didn't mean anything. They just loved everybody the same. The color of skin, uh, didn't make any difference to people. Now I'll say this. I realize I'm quite a ways south of the border. But God don't care what color of skin you got. Whether you Mexican, whether you black, brown, red, yellow, pasty, white, it don't make any difference to God. And I'm going to tell you this, if you're prejudiced, whether you're any one of those so-called colors, you're going to bust hell wide open because one thing God hates is prejudice. The only thing you want to be prejudiced against is sin and the devil. Oh, I want to tell you something. If you refrain from hugging somebody's neck in the Holy Ghost because of the color of your skin, you're prejudiced. If you don't want to live in a certain neighborhood because there's Mexicans there or blacks there or whites there, you're prejudiced. You're lost. They got a little, got a little organization called the KKK down here. The Ku Klux Klan. Well, I want to tell you something about them cluckers. I ain't scared of one or all of them. Matter of fact, Brother Moody's got 
got the wife of the guy that used to be the grand dragon. He's dead now. Brother Moody was going to baptize him on a Friday night. The guy died on a Thursday night. But that old man was going to get baptized in Jesus' name. He was the grand dragon up in Flint, Michigan. Brother Moody's assistant, Brother Tipton, is his boy. His wife is sitting out there full of the Holy Ghost. His grandchildren are in church. That's the, that's the family of a clucker. Now God wants to save a clucker every bit as much as he wants to save a preacher's kid. Oh God, if I had a set of spurs, I'd ride that prejudiced spirit for a while. But they had these love things. Everybody was on a level playing field. Just loved everybody. Just loved everybody. And you know, I suppose they was as Christian as what they could be, but they was as human as they could be. Now, I came from a family of six girls and six boys, good, strong, Catholic family. Mama was black French and Catholic, and Daddy was black Irish and Catholic. And they was Catholic however many generations back they was Catholic. My daddy's, grand, uh, my daddy's parents came from Ireland, and they were sure enough Catholic. That don't mean God hated them. He loved them enough, he came and died for them. Catholic makes good holy rollers. But I want to tell you something. I grew up in a home where we, we fought tooth and nail. We pounded each other till the blood flowed. But you let somebody pick on one of us. Y'all need to get a little defensive mechanism built in you and stop letting the devil come in here and take people out of this church. You ought to say, all right, devil. All right, devil. You want to pick on somebody? Have at it, big boy. Say, oh, preacher, I'm scared of the devil. I'm not scared of every devil you can drag through that door. I wasn't scared of the devil before I got saved. Why should I be scared of him now? I got the Holy Ghost, brother elder. My Bible tells me that God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Y'all need to get a little defensive. Love your brother. Bible said in the book of Leviticus, thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. But this love had to do with these love feasts. Love feasts. And so what the writer was saying, Jesus here says, because lawlessness or anarchy shall abound, these love feasts were gonna stop. Then he said, here, said the inanimate, it also means sleeping. What Jesus really said was, when iniquity, when, when anarchy and lawlessness abounded, the love feasts were going to stop because people were cooling off. And the cold was putting them to sleep in a coma, so to speak. He said that love of many would wax cold. This word cold is interesting. It means one destitute of warm Christian faith and a desire to be holy. These are not my definitions. These are Dr. Thayer's definitions. One destitute of warm Christian faith and a desire to be holy. When I see people backslide, the first thing that goes out the window is holiness. And I'm not talking just about dress. I'm talking about their spirit becomes rabid. It becomes perverse. And so he said people would be destitute 
of warm Christian faith. You know, 223 times in the Bible that I can count, faith means doctrine or teaching. And he said here that people would, would lose a love for doctrine, for teaching, and a desire for the holiness of God. I'm going to say this, and hopefully you'll understand what I'm meaning by it, but I hear a lot of preachers preach about our holiness. But I don't hear very many preach about God's holiness. They'll ride people about clothes and how they look, and this and that and the other thing, but they don't preach much about God's holiness. And I'm wondering if some of these men even know what holiness really is about. Moffat said, maintaining the glow. Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 is warning his disciples about the days that would soon come and before, uh, would fall on the church. Days in which brotherly love would all but cease and men uh, would grow selfishly greedy, looking out for no one but themselves. He was telling them about a time when that warm Christian faith, that love for doctrine would be replaced by lawlessness and a flagrant disregard for the government that was placed in the church. I tonight believe in church government. Do you? Instead of a desire to be holy, men would be given to that spirit of the age, that same licentious spirit that slew Demas. I think that Jesus tonight was warning of days that would come when the cold biting winds of compromise would blow across the soul of the apostolic church. When compromise would blow on the spirit of the church and the chilling winds of compromise would cause people to freeze to death on the church pew because the fires of commitment had long gone out and now were nothing more than cold ashes. Spiritual insurrection would run rampant through the church as a drastic reduction in temperature would take place. People would look back on past experiences of what they used to have and say, we're still all right. We still can remember when. Paul warned the early church at Rome when he wrote the scripture in Romans 12. He told them to maintain the glow, to stay red hot. You see, if you'll stay red hot, you'll be too hot for the devil to handle. It's when you cool off and you get lukewarm or cold that the devil picks you off. The scripture tonight, the Bible is replete with examples and stories and so on and so forth that tells about a renewal and a refreshing that would come from the Spirit of God if we would but seek Him. I believe, I believe absolutely you've got to have a day-to-day -day relationship with God. I don't know how else to tell you tonight, but if you're depending on what you get in church to keep you going all week long, you're gonna die lost and go to hell. You don't spend enough time in church for that to happen. Three or four hours a week at the most. What you're gonna have to learn is to take the fire you get here and carry it home with you and feed it at home so that it burns bright at home. You are never gonna have apostolic revival until you learn to have revival at home. Your life will be a series of up and downs, of failures. When you shove God onto the back burner of the stove, so to speak. When you stick him on some shelf in a faraway closet in the back of your life. 
And then you run to God when you're in trouble or you have a sick baby or your body's sick or you've got some urgent need and you run to the shelf where you place God and you take him down and knock the dust off of God. God is not some water boy that's at your beck and call that you can take for granted. I believe tonight that every bit as much as you courted your wife to get her, I believe that's the way God is with us. God comes to service after service, wanting our love, wanting our affection. And somehow or another, Brother Elder, through all of the praying, all of the pre-service prayer, all the worship, all the singing, the music, somewhere in all of that, somewhere we've got to hear the voice of God. And our spirit, the Bible said, has got to become one with his spirit. He said, he that's joined to the Lord is of one spirit. There's got to be a confluence of the spirit in the spirit of man, the spirit of God. You know, when two rivers join up, they call that a confluence of the waters. They say that the Mississippi River flows out of the ocean some 1,500 miles, and you can discern the muddy Mississippi water from ocean water. But after a while, that muddy Mississippi River is swallowed up in the ocean, and you can't discern one water from another water. I'll tell you what God's looking for tonight. He's looking for a group of people that will give themselves to him in such a manner that their spirit becomes lost in his spirit. They lose their identity. God is not some water boy. Jesus Christ is the lover of my soul. My life is wrapped up in him. Paul wrote and said it's in him that we move and live and have our very being. It's because of Jesus Christ that you can even draw breath tonight. You and I cannot function without the Lord. I think I understand what the man meant when he said he's the unction that makes me function. But I believe he's a little more than that. He is life itself. Our day should be spent cultivating our relationship with him. When I was a small boy, Brother Elder, we'd go pick those wild strawberries. Big as your fingernail. Every once in a while you get one big as your thumbnail, you thought you, man, you thought you found a prize. Pick and pick and pick and pick. Oh, oh man, we'd pick and pick and pick for probably an hour and get a little bowl full. Somewhere back several years ago, somebody decided to cultivate those strawberries. And that's why you get strawberries that are this big. What you need to learn to do is cultivate your relationship with God. You've got to fertilize it with prayer. You've got to dig around and break up the fallow ground. God told the nation of Israel one time, said, you've, you've compassed this mountain long enough. They'd gone around that mountain so long that they'd wore a rut in it. They packed the dirt down so hard. I don't know how many million Jews was out there in that desert, but they was a bunch, brother. Here they come trudging, walking around that mountain. And God said, you went in circles long enough. It's time to head northward. You know, God must get sick sometimes of our little ritual. God must get so sick of us doing the same old, same old, same old. We got a, had a bunch of chickens when I was a boy and put a little ramp up there and them chickens would go up the same way. Had two ramps, one on this door, one around the back, but they'd always go up that same ramp. They'd go through that thing, come around. This thing is not a chicken coop. But that's all some people have, a chicken coop religion come and do their little chatty eye a little bit. 
I'm going to tell you something. Being spiritual is a whole lot more than talking in tongues. Talking in tongues by the Spirit of God is the will of God. But you hear me. It's not a matter of you pulling a dipstick on the side of your head to see if you can talk in tongues. That's not how you govern whether you're right or not. He never said by this shall all mean you that you're my disciples because you talk in tongues. I've seen people could talk in tongues but backstab their brother. Talking about that day-to-day relationship with God. Oh, my Lord. He don't tell me when I'm wrong, Brother Elder. He has to come along to tell me when I'm right. Listen, we're so pitiful without him. We're so pitiful without him. Let me take you to the book of Revelation for a moment. I love the book of Revelation. Not afraid to read out of the book of Revelation. You know why? Because it is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. He said it was the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. Antichrist was in the world when John wrote Revelation. And if you study the Bible, there is no the Antichrist in Scripture. It's always Antichrist. And he said Antichrist was anyone that didn't believe Jesus Christ was coming in the flesh. That's Antichrist. And so Jesus, he is revealed in Revelation. I love this book of Revelation. Can't say I understand a whole lot what goes on in here, but I love to read about it anyway because there's a blessing just reading it. I'm glad I don't have to understand all them horns and eyes and hooves and all that business, but I can just read it and have a blessing. Oh, God, I, got, I better, better not tell it, but I'm going to anyway. I was... Sitting, listening to two preachers talking, and 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 they was talking all this pre-trip, mid-trip stuff, and I don't know anything about that. And the guy looked at me. The older man said, "Well, what do you think?" I said, "Well, no, I'm just a rookie. I don't think much, you know, and trying to be discreet and everything." He said, "Oh, you got an opinion. What do you think?" And I said, "Well, I'll tell you what I think. I said I think you got more horns and hooves and eyes and red heifers than a Texas stampede." I said, you've got more Cummins and Dodds got diesels. You've got him coming four saints with the saints, man, all of that and all over the place. said, I don't know anything about that stuff. Praise God. So uh, that's all I know, brother. I'm like Brother Booker. It's all he's going, it's all going to pan out. It's, going, it's a pan trip. I believe it's going to all pan out. Revelation. Oh, we've got to get over here. We've got to finish. Revelation f- chapter number 3, verse 14, talks about the Laodicean church. He said unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, Right, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Excuse me, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. He did not say uh, that I'm going to destroy you. He gave them an opportunity to repent. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my father's throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
We have the words of Jesus in Matthew 24 and verse 12. We have the words of Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. And they both tell of a time, like I said, when the charts would cool off. I believe that the same spirit moved on John while he was on Patmos to write uh, to the church in Laodicea concerning the condition that was there prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. There was a change that was taking place in the church that was so subtle, for the most part, they did not even know that the change was taking place. They would arise on any given morning and look in the mirror, and they would see the same thing they had always seen. Oh, it's kind of like old age. It creeps up on you. And one day you wake up an old man or an old woman. They probably would go to church and think, surely the preacher can't be talking to me. Surely I can still touch God and still have the power of God. I think that they had a form of godliness, but they even denied the power of this form. Laodicea to me is pictured as a church that would gather together for the evening worship service much like we have here. Only they would not conduct themselves in the same manner that we have. Rather they would stand around and backslap each other and caroon over their latest acquisition, their latest piece of property, their latest villa that they built their latest dress that they wore, their latest suit that they bought, the latest new chariot, if you please. By the way, when you bought that truck, the only thing I feel bad about is you didn't buy a new one. I believe if anybody ought to drive a new car, ought to be that man right there. And I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care what kind of car he drives so long as he makes the payments on it. I don't care, brother, if you go out and buy one of those, one of those uh, Lamborghini-type unit count-knack deals that they drive over in Italy. It don't make, I wouldn't care if you drove a Mercedes-Benz for every day of the week a different color. Just make the payments on it. And you know what? God don't mind if you drive a new one. So long as you don't go around bragging about it and looking at someone that's poor as Job's turkey and saying, now, if you was living right, you'd have a new one too. If you was doing right, God would bless you too. But those old Laodiceans, they stand around and brag on what they had and they 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 display themselves they they display the magnitude of their riches they'd seek to climb the social ladder of success and and get to some elevated uh, position in the church you know i don't know i'm ignorant i ain't but pastored but one church and it only had two reprobates in it and uh I don't know, I'm ignorant, but you know what I'd do? If I was pastoring a church, I'd change, I'd change everybody the position they had. I'd change them about every four months. You say, how come? Because I preached in too many churches where they felt like they owned the position that they had. I felt like, they felt like because, oh God help me, they felt like because they, they was a Sunday school teacher for 25 years, God couldn't move anybody else in there that could ever teach Sunday school. The whole church would fall apart if they quit teaching. Oh, my God can't have service, got no, only got one piano player. I went to preach in a church one time and I was supposed to bring the piano player with me. Got my wife, got my little girl in a Volkswagen Super Beetle supposed to spend the weekend. Where do you put a piano player? Got there and the guy said, didn't you bring a piano player? I said, no. He said, well, I ain't. Oh, how can we have church? I said, well, you play guitar. I ain't playing. I said, sit there and don't play. 
We're going to have church without you. Old lady see it got the feeling like she owned things in the church. She owned position. She owned the little clicks and clacks and clans that were there. I'm gonna tell you what I hate. I hate I hate clicks. I hate them little clicks. Three or four kids get together and they get to whispering when somebody walks by because they ain't dressed like they're dressed. They ain't wearing Tommy Hilfiger clothes. They ain't got the nice $400 suits. And so they ostracize them because they're not the same color of skin. Tell you what you need to do. You need to go and pray through the Holy Ghost because you sure don't have it. You know, I want to tell you something. Not everybody's brought up right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear my heart tonight. I ain't never told this before in my life. But we didn't have, we didn't have running water in my house when I grew up. And brother, when it's 35 below zero, it takes a 14-year-old boy a lot, of, a lot of hauling water to wash clothes and for three grown men to bath plus himself. We didn't always bath every night. We didn't even bath every week. And I'm going to tell you something else. Where I come from, real men never had deodorant. And so it got to smelling a little ripe. And if you, if you get somebody in here that's brought up like that and they smell a little ripe, don't ostracize them. Take them to your house and show them how real people live. Don't turn your nose up at them and say, man, they stink. You know what? When you came to God, you stunk to high heaven with sin. But did God ostracize you? What you need to do is go to your closet and get out the clothes you haven't wore for two years. Give them a suit if they haven't got one. Buy them some toiletry items if they haven't got them. If they don't know how to shower, tell them how to shower. Say, preacher, that's the craziest thing I ever heard tell of. When I was in Bible school, God forgive me for going to Bible school, but when I was in Bible school, there was a boy, brother, he had never been outside of his little community except twice in his life. He didn't know what a shower looked like. He didn't know what a toilet looked like. Oh, they had a toilet's old three-holder right back. Now, I won't tell you what. I grew up where they had them three-holers. If y'all don't know what one is, you missed out on the best part of life, friend. You get out there with the old Sears and Robot catalog, 30 below zero and the north are blowing through. Oh, yeah. But if you, was, if you was poor, you just had two boards across that hole. If you was middle class, you had a little piece of carpet you stole from somewhere. But if you was really big dog, then you put a toilet seat on it. And brother, here come this boy. He, he, they, they took him to town to take his graduation picture. And they lost him. And they found him about three hours later. He was out in the street looking up at a six-story building. He was the biggest thing he'd ever seen. And they caught him standing there going, he, he just ignorant. And so when he came there, everybody made fun of him because he smelled a little ripe. And so they got together and they all chipped in. They bought him some deodorant and some hairspray. They used hairspray back then. And, uh, well, y'all, some of you also old used pomade. Homemade, whatever that stuff is, that grease. Yeah. But they bought him all kind of this stuff, but nobody had guts enough to give it to him. And so they elected me. I didn't have a problem with it. 
because I was in the same boat he was at one time. I told that boy how to use soap. I told him how to shower. I told him how to put his right guard on and make sure he put it under his left arm. And while I'm on the subject, I don't want to be rude, but I'm going to tell you what I feel like. That's what some of y'all's problem is. You don't want to smell bad when you leave church. If you ain't worship God to challenge your deodorant, you ain't worship God. If you ain't worship God enough to mess your hair up, you ain't worship God. If you're scared of the creation, your, your breeches you're wearing, you ain't worship God. Let's give them a chance. Let's don't cut them off. Oh, that click business, that, that's junk. That's junk. That's junk. But here they was at Laodicea in church. Oh, my. They was back slappers. They was compliment payers. They was, they was ego polishers. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. You know, I... I'm so nasty. But when I see a 17, 18-year-old kid with a new suit and a new pair of shoes, and he's sticking them shoes out like that, and he's standing there like that, like out of that, that faggot magazine, what do they call that thing, that gentleman's, what is it? Yeah, gentleman's quarterly. I just feel like spitting on his shoes. I... Something just crawls all over me. Little, limp-wristed, effeminate, prissified, panty-waisted sissy. Me? Pray at the altar and get sweaty? You gotta be kidding. Oh, God, I better hurry. Jesus comes to the Laodicean church as a visitor. They have the door bolted and locked. They had learned to live for God without God. They could jump all the hoops. They could do all the tricks. They had all the Pentecostal calisthenics down pat. They knew when to run. They knew when to jump. They knew when to say amen. And they knew when to go home. And Jesus comes to them and he sees them in an entirely different light than they see themselves. They see themselves as rich and increased with goods, having need of nothing. God sees them as wretched and poor and miserable and naked and blind. Jesus draws attention to their pride and its source. He tells them that they are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. Now hot here means to glow as in solids or to boil as in liquids. Jesus let them know that they were neither glowing, boiling, nor were they cold. They were simply lukewarm. If you study the city of Laodicea's history, Laodicea had no water supply near her. She had to pump her water supply from the Denzel River some six miles through a stone pipe system. When the water left the Denzel River, it was cold and clear and uh, thirst quenching. But by the time it made the journey through the stone pipe system to the city of Laodicea, it was lukewarm and tepid. It could not quench anybody's thirst. On the other hand, it was, it was sickening to drink the lukewarm water. Jesus was simply telling the Laodicean church 
that you don't have anything there to refresh people with. You don't have any revival happening in you, Laodicea. There's no refreshing there. Laodicea, she could not even claim like the city of Heriopolis, who was a short distance from her. She could not even lay claim to the, the hot springs that were there that people used to visit for healing purposes. Laodicea could neither refresh nor could she heal. How sad her condition is when Jesus finds her lukewarm. Being neither hot nor cold but lukewarm is like being stuck in the middle. She was neutral. There's a whole lot of people in apostolic churches that are neutral. They're not really against you, but they're not really for you. They're not really out sinning, but neither are they in here excelling. They're just neutral. Then he calls attention to their finance. They were so rich in Laodicea, the city, that when the earthquake destroyed her, several times they rebuilt the city from their own coffer, their own pocket. They did not seek help from imperial Rome. They prided themselves in how much money they had in their bank account. Nothing wrong with money. So long as money serves you and you don't become a servant to money. Money had a noose on Laodicea's neck. They were so rich. So rich. He counseled them to buy Gold tried in the fire. Gold that was made aglow by the heat of the flame. Gold that was in the refining process. Their riches meant nothing to Jesus. They had set their affection on things below and not on things above. 